Hello, this is Shaheen Chaudhary, and welcome to another exciting episode of How I Lead Change, a podcast about executives leading successful human-centric changes in their organizations. Today on our show, I'm joined by Tamara Ruman, President and CEO of Vancouver Airport Authority, or YVR. Prior to joining YVR as President and CEO, Tamara served for nine years on YVR's board and for 13 years as the president and CEO of Van City, Canada's largest community credit union and a global reference point for value-based banking. Tamara also currently serves as Simon Fraser University's 12th chancellor, chairs the board of the Rick Hansen Foundation, and is the recipient of the Order of British Columbia among many other citations. Tamara, it is an honor and a great pleasure to have you on our podcast today. Thanks very much, Shaheen. Pleased to be here. Awesome. Tamara, you joined YVR in July of 2020, so fairly recently, and a few months after the pandemic started and severely impacted the aviation industry in an unprecedented way. What's it like becoming the leader of one of Canada's largest airports during the pandemic? It's definitely uh, a unique experience, as so many things have been for so many uh, during uh, these unprecedented times of the pandemic. I do remember that the board chair asked me at the beginning of May when we were concluding the, the, the final arrangements and the contract for me to join as CEO of YVR on the 1st of July. The board chair and the board actually asked me in all seriousness, are you sure? Uh, because the pandemic was already in full swing. And we could see, and not with the level of detail we, of course, understand now, but we could see that it would have a significant effect uh, on our business uh, and our staff and our community uh, going forward. And without hesitation, I said absolutely, because, you know, I could see the opportunities um, that still lied ahead for, for YVR and the need to really bring um, that values-based perspective throughout the rest of 2020 and now into uh, 2021. You know, it's not very often in your career that you get an opportunity, in this case, forced opportunity to take a couple of steps back, examine a company or an industry end to end in order to take that next big step forward. And that's absolutely the opportunity and the work that we're doing uh, here at YVR during the pandemic. Tamara, you mentioned, uh, you know, talking about values-based uh, way of looking at business, and I know you've, uh, you know, you bring that from Van City, your work at Van City. So tell us more about that, and what does that mean for YVR? You know, it's funny. Uh, people uh, uh, think that an airport is all about planes and buildings and and concrete, uh, but it's actually not. It's actually about people. Um, nobody builds an airport as an end unto itself. You know, we exist for the sole purpose of us. Uh, of supporting our community and the economy uh, around it. And so just like any CEO in any business, you know, I have technology, I have infrastructure, I have data, but none of that works without people. And so people, it's become cliche to say that uh, people really are the single greatest resource, but in my experience, whether it's banking or whether it's aviation or whether it's infrastructure or whether it's post-secondary education, uh, you can get almost anything done 
if you have uh, an open, uh, aligned, transparent uh, culture, that is based on really building your business uh, around your people. And of course, climate and other considerations uh, are an important part of that. But really, it all starts and ends, in my view, with people. Thank you for that. Uh, looking into the next few months and the next decade uh, post-pandemic, what are the changes? What's driving change at YVR and the uh, aviation industry as a whole? Well, you know, some of the trends that we saw pre-pandemic really have only been accelerated by the pandemic. And what are those trends? Well, those trends are uh, a movement towards uh, online commerce, and the fact that we'd be purchasing more things online, that has a huge effect on our cargo business. The fact that we would be using data to more efficiently manage logistics and last mile delivery and have integration of, of uh, drones and other things into the technology that surrounds uh, aviation, that people would be looking to... Uh, technology, which we've seen absolutely amplified in terms of work from home and doing business, uh, including this very podcast uh, remotely, uh, has a huge effect on us. And geopolitical issues have a huge, huge effect on us. And then, of course, climate aviation is a fossil fuel intensive industry. And uh, as I always say, though, aviation isn't the enemy, carbon is. So we have to really work hard to decarbonize uh, the aviation value chain because it's so important to the functioning. Uh, of our country. We're big in geography, small in people, very hard for an economy or a society to work without a connected aviation uh, system. We certainly see that in a pandemic because uh, uh, almost all, every single vaccine that's come into our country has come in by uh, aircraft, uh, but we also know it's an important part of, uh, our, of our community as well. So those trends were all present in one form or another prior to the pandemic, Shaheen, but it really the end the pandemic has either laid them bare or accelerated them so the pandemic has been i, I hesitate because it's had such a detrimental effect on on so many to to say it's been a gift but it has required us to look at our business differently and many of the things that maybe we would have taken five six seven years to shift were accelerating take for example our climate commitment uh, ybr had joined leading airports around the world to commit to be net zero uh, by 2050. Through the pandemic, we've analyzed our business end-to-end, -end, the requirements, the demands that people will have, but also the role that we can play as a leader in our industry. And we've brought that forward 20 years to be uh, net zero by 2030, the first airport in North America to make that commitment. And so those kinds of things, you know, maybe they wouldn't have happened uh, prior to the pandemic, they needed to happen, but certainly we see the shifts really accelerating. So things like how often you travel, how often you travel for business, uh, whether or not you'll take multiple trips in a year as opposed to one trip a year, making sure that the trips that you take are sustainable from a, uh, from a climate point of view, and then really improving using data and technology, the efficiency uh, and also the energy consumption of the air cargo supply chain, uh, because the cargo business is creating more and more, is becoming more and more uh, mm -hmm. important in the operation of the airport. You mentioned climate change, so it's definitely a very unique challenge, uh, especially for the aviation industry. Uh, 
uh, given you know uh, the primary fuel, uh, and so what is uh, uh, you mentioned also the 2030 net zero target for the airport authority? What does that look like? What what, what would be some of the things that uh, would help you get there? Um, I know that you know airport authority is you know managing the assets of the the airport and. Uh, not necessarily the 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 planes and the because the airlines uh, you know that's part of that their assets. So what would that look like? Well, you know, sometimes I think that that uh, the aviation industry uh, gets uh, gets a bit of a bad rap for not being uh, interested in in climate change. And actually, I have seen that uh, particularly the carriers that we have coming to to YVR have been quite committed to making progress uh, on reducing their GHGs. It's just that technology has lagged uh, in terms of allowing anything but short haul flights like the float plane operation, which we've seen with Harbor Air, which has battery operated uh, aircraft first in North America, but long haul flights really still require aviation fuel. So with that in mind, we know that a lot of the changes um, that we can make to improve our carbon footprint are easier, frankly, on the ground than they are in the air. So that's why we think as an airport, we need to play a leadership role and go a bit beyond uh, what others are doing to pave the way and future-proof our operations and support our air carriers to make the shift that they need to make. So we are bringing in sustainable aviation fuel, for example, which has a certain percentage of biofuels in uh, in the fuel chain, that will mean that every single aircraft that takes off from YVR will have a percentage of SA, uh, SAF, as we call it. Uh, we're looking at different forms of uh, energy, geo exchange systems and others that will reduce our uh, footprint. We operate the largest building in the province of British Columbia. And so just a one uh, large retrofit can make a huge difference to our emissions. And then we're also thinking about our uh, land and the way we develop in a, using the principles of a circular economy, making sure that even something like concrete, uh, which as you probably know is highly carbon intensive, uh, we're able to think about uh, deconstructing that concrete 50, 70, 80 years from now when it's beyond its useful life and uh, putting it back uh, to its original state in a uh, climate friendly way. And there's many, many companies, Carbon Cure, uh, others uh, in our region that are really leading the way around clean tech. And so I think it's just a great opportunity for us to partner with businesses in uh, Western Canada who are some of the best businesses in the world around some of this technology as we use that to grow those companies and uh, green our business at the same time. Well, that's great to hear. Um, the pandemic has had an impact, a massive impact on people. And as you mentioned, the people play a key role in any organization. So what's that been like, uh, you know, joining an organization where, you know, knowledge workers for the most part have been able to work, you know, away from their uh, office space, workspaces. Uh, YVR being a an operational facility where, uh, you know, that's not always the case, right? There's a, uh, members of your workforce that have to be uh, at the facilities. So what's it been like uh, leading, uh, you know, your workforce during a time when, you know, uh, people have, you know, uh, you know, have had to move away from working from their workspace? It's absolutely been unique. Uh, we always have had um, 
you know, a challenge, frankly, in creating a, a single culture here at the airport, because as you say, a portion of our workforce works shift work uh, to keep the operation going 24-7, and a portion of our workforce has always been uh, Monday to Friday, although uh, in the in the office, and those would be, you know, people that you might uh, assume are accountants, or lawyers, or HR professionals, marketing and and so on but our operations our firefighters our folks who are running the the terminal and uh, making sure that the uh, air side is lit and safe and well maintained those uh, those folks are uh, are more shift work so we had sort of two organizations in one to start with and then the pandemic uh, came and really uh, amplified that divide and so we had the essential service that still needed to be in place and we had a shift for health and work safe reasons to maximum number of our office workers at uh, at home and so it's been a challenge trying to i uh, i've uh, increased the amount of communication that i do uh, i started to have a weekly session just where i would hear from staff uh, because I was new and they could ask me questions in real time and I would answer them in real time because my initials are TV staff started calling that live TV and so we had live <laughs> TV. <laughs> we have live TV sessions and they're very well attended actually from across the organization so we've been trying to find ways to maintain that connection that's so important but you know I haven't met very many of the people who work with me face to face. In fact, I've never even seen them uh, because when we broadcast, of course, we broadcast out. They can ask questions in, but there's too many uh, faces to see all the faces uh, on the screen at one time. So I am really looking forward to a time when we're able to shake somebody's hands, tell them how much I appreciate the work that they were doing, ask what they need uh, in order to be successful in the future uh, face to face. Awesome. Um, so just building on the same theme around people, you mentioned, you know, communication and these, you know, video sessions that you're having with your with your staff uh, and, and looking now to the future. What are other strategies, uh, you know, as you're leading other changes, you mentioned, you know, net zero by 2030 um, and, you know, a host of other changes. What, what other strategies are you used to help people adapt to change at YDR? and what's been the impact? We certainly uh, have a very, very expert uh, and uh, high quality workforce here at YBR. And I think like many companies, um, there's great wisdom uh, in our organizations if only we know how to access it. And so again, one of the glass half full aspects of working in the pandemic is we have where we normally maybe would have had strategic sessions with just the board of directors and the executive and a handful of people. We've had open sessions uh, okay. actually hosted with international experts on topics that are important. And they've been open to every single staff member, including people who don't work directly for us, but who work uh, on Sea Island, our partners and the board of directors, but the board of directors just participates as a participant talking about things that we need to think about in the future. So whether it's what the economy of our region looks like, so we understand the needs that we're supporting, you know, what's what's going on in the supply chain, what's working well, what isn't, how are we uh, 
setting up to compete. Where are the new companies coming from, uh, as well as the strength of uh, the older ones? And we had a second session a couple of months later on the what the best airports in the world, not just North America, of which we are uh, consistently named the best, but in the world, what are they thinking about? And so able to connect with the CEO of uh, Dubai or Singapore or Hong Kong, uh, or Dallas-Fort Worth in ways that we normally wouldn't and have access uh, provided to all of our staff so that they could ask questions, we could test ideas. Uh, and then the third one was around climate and the significant changes that we need to make in climate. So in that way, uh, you know, the greatest success I think is when we do something and our staff say, yeah, that was my idea, I did that. Uh, and whether they're in maintenance or whether they're in marketing or somewhere in between, that ownership and understanding that this is our work, not my work as CEO or the vice president of strategies work or the board's work, but this is our work uh, is fundamental, I think, to mobilizing people around change. They tend to make better decisions because they're closer to the, to the work that we're doing. And as I said, there's great wisdom in terms of making sure that we're going in the right direction and we're adjusting for the operational needs as we go. That's been um, successful by and large, with the exception of where there are gaps or fragmentation because of the some are working in one way and some are working in the other way. Uh, we we really work hard to overcome that. And then the other thing is really just making sure that uh, we're taking care of our people. I think people have talked a lot about, of course, the fatigue that we all feel and the next pandemic being mental health and emotional well-being issues. We take those very seriously. I think, as you probably know, we had a shooting outside of uh, of our terminal, uh, YVR, related to the gang violence in our community, not related to YVR, but nonetheless, steps from our front door. And so that's really a reminder of the fact that the work that people uh, do here is uh, is often on the front line. And so how we support our people through extraordinary events uh, like a pandemic or uh, or a shooting has been you know work that we've really taken to heart. I think we've done a good job, but we're relentless in uh, in making sure that our team not only has the opportunity to advise us on the future, but that we're taking care of the whole person um, day to day. Wow, that's good to hear. And uh, yeah, it was a very tragic incident that happened uh, just a few few uh, days ago, actually. I think it was like uh, just over a week ago. So yeah, it's very tragic to, to hear about that. Uh, um, so Tamara, tell us uh, what is one piece of advice that you would give other executives on the importance of focusing on the people side of managing change? I think change, the, you know, there's that old cliche that says change moves at the speed of trust. I actually believe that to be uh, quite true. Uh, and it has, I've seen evidence of it in my own experience. So as a CEO, you can't possibly dictate and control everything that happens, particularly when an, a company or a business or an industry is going through change. And so therefore, having employees who you trust and who trust you and who are aligned to what you're trying to do and aren't afraid to make decisions that uh, are motivated and in the best interest of the company is key to that change moving forward. I think sometimes we have a tendency to have uh, sort of the tyranny of the perfect and making sure that everything is perfect before we move forward. 
uh, again, that hasn't been a recipe for success in my view, really uh, being transparent around why the change is happening, being clear about the values of the organization and making sure everybody understands it, and then allowing some transparency so people can see whether the say do matches or not is key to building that trust that is so key to empowering staff to make the multitude of decisions that they need to make every day that you can't possibly make as a CEO as we're embarking on a journey of change. So if there's one word, I would say that is the accelerant uh, and the glue for change, it's trust. And so Tamara, trust is a, it's an important thing you bring up uh, about trust and, and using that as a, as a way to uh, you know, to lead uh, through change. Uh, what are some of the other ways that you establish trust with with the workforce, with your people, uh, especially given you've, you've come into this as a new role uh, and, and the organization is is getting to know you? Uh, what what does that look like? I'm very transparent. Uh, so as I said, we've we've been able to use a video because we haven't done what I would normally do, which is to be in person. Uh, I let uh, and encourage uh, staff to ask me anything that's on their mind, share their views, and I need to make sure that I'm open to hearing those views uh, and really have empathy for where those views are coming from and try and put myself in uh, in the other's uh, shoes. So I'm quite transparent. People can ask me anything. I uh, will tell them when I don't know. Uh, we'll tell them when I disagree. So they get a sense of who I am uh, as a person and a leader and that it's not just the words I say, but it's the actions uh, I take and it's the way I think that they can access. Because trust ultimately is all about predictability. Do I understand you and understand what motivates you enough to have confidence that in X situation, you will as a leader behave in Y way that is consistent with our values and our expectation? Really hard to build something like predictability of behavior when they don't know you or when you don't know them and they haven't seen you for a long period of time. Yet the pandemic doesn't wait for us to establish three years of getting to know one another before we have to make uh, much needed decisions to refocus and future proof our business. So looking for ways to really be transparent and build that uh, predictability largely through engagement, communication, I asked uh, I asked staff the second day I was here, which was July 2nd, um, you know, for three things, uh, answer three questions. What would you change uh, in an instant if you had the opportunity to? What would you fight to keep because you absolutely love? And what do you what do you think I should know as uh, as CEO? I tell you, a new CEO, the very high take up on that very simple survey. I did it myself on SurveyMonkey. Uh, several hundred people responded, and I've used that as uh, as voice and coaching and talked to the folks that they're uh, about the fact that their perspective matters as a way of building that relationship around between leadership and uh, and our employees. So it's not rocket science. Um, you know, the, people always say these are the sometimes describe this work as the soft skills or the soft work. But in my experience, the soft stuff is really the hard stuff, i.e. the most difficult. And <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, the things that actually make the most difference to the performance of an organization, because ultimately this is about organizational performance. Yes, it's the right thing to do in terms of uh, people, but in so doing, it also significantly improves the performance and the resilience uh, of a company in my experience.
Great. Thank you, Tamara, for sharing your valuable insights and stories of your leadership during such challenging times. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, that's all for today's episode of How I Lead Change. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Now go out there and be successful at change. Thank you.